0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Marvel Mania, the podcast where we talk everything and everything Marvel related. I'm your host for today, Garrett Broder, and with me is
1: Brandon Janicki. Hi everyone. We've got a very exciting episode for you today. Now it has been a few weeks since Spider-Man No Way Home has come out in theaters. We hope you all have gotten a chance to see it. I know we've seen it at least once or twice. I've seen it twice. How about yourself, Garrett? I am going to see it not this weekend, but the next weekend
0: for a second time. Second time, I nice. wanted to see again, but I was in Florida. So, oh, kinda, yeah, kind of difficult to see a movie when you're in Florida. Uh, I mean, it's not, but why would I go it's see It's not, movie? but if you're in Florida, you yeah, know yeah, if I'm why? In Florida, I'm gonna go on the beach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. It's like 80 degree weather. So, that was good. Anyways, going back to Marvel Mania uh, and the Spider Man movie, what did you think of it?
1: Right off the bat, I gotta say, I am very impressed. They were able to live this had this movie live up to almost every hype that the fans were giving it i mean we had very high expectations for this film and i would say they delivered on almost every aspect i mean i gotta say i was very impressed now it's not a perfect film by any means but boy is it a fun film it is an emotional film it's an exciting film and it is it really does hit you and it hits the marks where it needs to hit them personally
0: oh i agree and there's a lot of um like surprise factors that no one was really expecting. There's some of people were expecting, but we get more into that when we have our spoiler alert, which we are going to put right now. There's a spoiler alert for yes, this podcast. This is
1: your first and only spoiler alert you are getting for this podcast. So if you have not seen the film, I'd recommend going to see it now and then coming back to listen to our podcast and listen to what we think about it. So this is going to be your spoiler warning. You have been warned. Oh yeah. So, um, going in, hopping
0: into the movie. Are you? Ready for that? Oh, right. I'm ready. Let's dive right into this All thing, right, baby. So big the big thing that came out of Spider Man No Way Home, I think, was
1: uh Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it's hard it's hard to kind of dance around the fact that they are actually in this movie. The rumors are true, and I am so thankful that we did get to see them once again. Huge sense of nostalgia. To see them come back to the big screen like that i mean i'd be lying if i said i didn't tear up when i saw them come back on screen that was so incredible and feeling the energy uh in the theater with me everyone was just so excited to see them all come back what i'm most thankful for is they didn't bring them back for just a couple of cameos they brought them back and they actually used them and they felt like good supporting cast members each in their own way
0: oh and i love that i thought it was such a big ba- they used them so perfectly and I thought that would just be like some quick cameo, like you just said, but they ended up being a
1: huge role in the whole movie. Oh um, yeah, huge, huge role. They both had a lot to do, and they both helped out Tom Holland's Spider Man in a huge way. One scene in particular, when um, it, you know, Spider Man is on the um top of the top of the roof, and he's contemplating everything that just happened. Uh, this is after again, spoiler, Aunt May died, which we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, but you know, and he's um. Thinking about trying to leave the Spider-Man life behind him, but you know he just wants to go out for revenge and kill Green Goblin. And then Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire join him on the rooftop, and they have this very emotional, sweet moment where you know they're talking to him about what it means to be Spider-Man and how he has to keep moving on and not you know uh, kill anyone out of hate, but just try and. Um <laughs> Basically, avenge people, but not do it out of revenge, as an avenger should. You think you think Tom Holland would have learned that in the Avengers, but I guess it took two more Spider-Man to, you know, have the lesson hit home, huh?
0: Yeah, that's true. But at the same time, you don't lose. You know, that's his inspiration is idol. He already lost his Uncle Ben. Why lose your
1: your Aunt May? Especially when it could have he could have stopped it. Yeah, he that that one was kind of on him, and I think that's what affected him. Uh, even more throughout the rest of the film is that he could have stopped it, but ultimately he didn't. But thankfully, Andrew Garfield and Toby Maguire, uh, they come and they give him a very emotional uh, pep talk that helps him uh, very much in the final battle. Oh, for sure. And I think that the whole going
0: into the another segment where Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield really boost uh, the character of Tom Holland is when Tom Holland's about to kill Green Goblin, like very. like very fiercely very brutally yeah this
1: was without a doubt my favorite moment of the film and the moment that shocked me the most is at the very end when Tom Holland doesn't seem to be heeding Andrew Garfield's and Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man's uh warning and he is about to uh at the very end on the new Statue of Liberty kill the Green Goblin the way the original Spider-Man uh did at the end of the first movie with his glider um. So he's about to stab him with that. And then out of nowhere, Tobey Maguire jumps out of nowhere and stops him from killing Green Goblin. I mean, that was a jaw-dropping, jaw-on-the-floor type of moment there that I did not see coming. I thought that was Tobey Maguire's best moment. Not just in this movie, but throughout all of his Spider-Man movies. That was an absolute incredible moment when he actually stopped Tom Holland's Spider-Man from killing Green Goblin. And he gives him this look, this very emotional look that kind of says, without saying anything you know, that you're better than this, this isn't you, um, you know, something along those lines, you're the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. So he gives him this very emotional, very mentoring type look where he's able to um, uh, t- stop Tom Holland from killing Green Goblin. Alas, it doesn't bode so well for Tobey Maguire as oh, yeah. he does get stabbed by the Green Goblin in the the back which again talk about another jaw-dropping moment and this one got me definitely tearing up because I thought that was the end of Tobey Maguire Spider-Man I personally thought it should have been the end that would have
0: been a great way to say goodbye to Tobey Maguire and leave his pat, like leave him in the past Mm -hmm. because if he have I think him surviving is not as um memorable as him dying because that would have let him great lead way into like a good farewell to the old spider-man and a brand new welcome tom holland and welcome the future of spider-man yeah i uh, i 100
1: agree with that that was the perfect way of putting it um you like you said it would have been much more memorable if he did die instead of him getting stabbed and then somehow living because not only does it make more sense from a um medical point of view i mean you're getting yeah. stabbed in the chest he probably was like inches from the heart, he should have died. Like I was, I was almost very confused when he didn't. Um, And, you know, from an emotional standpoint, it's like, you know, you kind of should it, you should have ended his character right there because people would have remembered it much more. We'd probably be talking about it a lot more than we are. It, it might even be the highlight of the film, which it still is to me because he got to make that heroic quote unquote sacrifice. And you got to, you know, really mentor Tom Holland, Spider-Man right there. But I think he should have died right there because I don't think Tobey Maguire after this film is going to be coming back. No, you know, I, it, I highly doubt it. Why keep him around? If you're not going to do anything, that would have been the perfect send off and kind of an ironic send off because back in 2002, um, you know, he killed Green Goblin with the glider. And then what 19 some years later, ironically, he dies from that same glider oh, due yeah. to Green Goblin. I think that would have been a very ironic way to have him go and a very emotional way to let him go. But Alas, they didn't do that. No, but
0: I don't know. I can see both sides to it. A lot of people would be very devastated. Be like, how could you kill off Toby Maguire? I mean, he is the original Spider Man. He can't die. Um, so but I still think he I like I'm I'm agreeing with you. I do think he should have passed. Yeah. But Yeah, Yeah. I know
1: some people probably wouldn't have been a little bit upset, but that's just something they'd have to deal with. I mean, ultimately for the story, I think it would have been much, much better. And uh, Andrew Garfield also got a uh, fantastic moment of his own, which to be honest, I kind of saw this one coming. I figured if he was going to be in the film, they were going to do something with this. And they kind of hinted at it in the trailer as well. There's a point in the final battle where MJ is falling from the Statue of Liberty. Tom Holland dies to go save her and then Green Goblin knocks him out of the way. And then, of course, we're like, oh, my gosh, is she going to die? But Andrew gets his redemption moment where he dies down and he got to do what he never could with Gwen Stacy and actually save someone from falling. That was amazing. That and was I, an incredible. That moment. one I did
0: tear up. I'm oh, going to lie. Yeah, without I like, a doubt. and he was tearing up in the
1: movie and just it was like. All in the fields at that point. Like, oh, it was, for sure, one hundred percent. Yeah, no. I, everyone in the theater was just losing it at that point. Um, and it was a fantastic moment. I still don't think it beat toby Maguire's moment in the grand scheme of things, just because you know I didn't see that coming from a mile away. The thing with Andrew Garfield and him saving MJ, I kind of pieced together. I kind of saw it coming. Um, but still, a very emotional and well thought out moment. Um, you could say it was kind of just fan service because that's what people wanted to see, but. It, frankly, I think it was more redemption for his character. Oh, I agree.
0: And that's what made me very, very happy. That was the thing I was probably most happy to see about in this movie. Really? Out of everything? Uh, that was... Out of everything, that was probably the thing I was most happy to see because, um, you know, that was a really heartbreaking one for Andrew Garfield. And then the movies just ended. Yeah, that's so fair. So you didn't even get a redemption in his own movie. So having a real redemption in a movie that, you know, he would have never seen, that would like a movie he would never have had unless he had this multiverse
1: moment that's very true yeah yeah i think next we should uh move well actually while we're on the topic of the spider-mans i think we should talk about uh the performances from all three of them particularly uh you know despite uh, toby and andrew coming back this is still tom holland's movie and i would say in my opinion he gave his best performance that i've ever seen not just as spider-man but from all the movies i've seen him um act in i think this was his best performance out of all of them oh
0: i agree even better than like you know uncharted or any of those other movies i was not a big fan of uncharted but he still did a really good job um anyways going back to
1: did uncharted even come
0: out yet which i thought it had oh i was thinking of the trailer i thought it came out no that's like in february dude i don't know that's a little uh, i haven't seen it that's all i'm saying but i know like people were talking about how he had a good performance but i don't know Oh no! Oh, they're talking about the hype of it. My bad. I don't know. I'm out of it.
1: I watched I watched Marvel and James Bond,
0: like I said. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I I was thinking of this one movie. Um, I don't remember what it was called, where he stars with um Ewan McGregor. Um, and they're like living in Florida or something, and there's like this huge tornado that goes through, and he does a great job in that. And that's what he's just a kid. Yeah, Yeah. you're right. That's what I was thinking. I just Uncharted's
0: been on my mind because I saw him. I just saw it recently, but.
1: Yeah, I don't remember what the name of that movie was, but that was probably one of his best performances and he was just a kid. But this Spider-Man movie, this definitely uh, trumps that a little bit. He had such, you know, these heartbreaking moments and his reaction to when Aunt May died. Now, what that scene when Aunt May died... I wasn't really tearing up at first because I I don't feel like we got to be emotionally connected to Aunt May at all. She felt like a background character. So, you know, why should I care that she now died? But what really got me is when we saw Tom Holland's reaction or Peter Parker's reaction to when she died. That's what kind of got me tearing up a little bit.
0: Oh, I agree. Although I do like the when she said the line of with great power comes great responsibility. That got me. And then when she passed from that, like right after that, and then Tom Holland, of course, Tom Holland having an amazing reaction to what just happened. Yeah. Um made me it made me really sad. And for me, I feel a little more connected to that type of thing. My uncle passed um a long time ago uh, on my birthday. So like another weird reaction. I know it's kind of TMI, but you know, uh it's for me I had a personal connection to that like, you know, your aunt or your uncle passing on a really significant Point in your life oh yeah for sure so i i that's why i teared up because i was like no i mean i've been through this i know what it's like um maybe not in the sense that it was my fault
1: but you know what i mean like, uh, i certainly hope not no no yeah. but
0: you know so just crazy um,
1: yeah i i i kind of did like the um with great power comes great responsibility moments um I think it was a little bit, you know, for nostalgia purposes, like that. that that's been Uncle's, that's been Uncle Ben's line since day one, and oh, yeah. because they didn't include Uncle Ben, I feel like they're like, "Well, we're going to have Aunt May say it instead." And it's like, "Oh, okay, you know, that's cool and all, but that's not really her line. You know, that's not what she's known for." It's become such a famous line that to hear anyone else besides Uncle Ben say it, it's kind of like, "Eh, it seems like it kind of stole it." But I, I'll, I'll give it a pass for for the time being, anyway. Oh, I loved it. I thought because. They didn't include it in Tom Holland's film, That someone
0: had to say it. Like I really do think someone had to say it. And then when Tom, uh, Tobey Maguire, excuse me, and Andrew Garfield said it, uh, while Tom Holland was saying it, I thought that was a really cool scene. I think like, it made a lot more his sense his to church? have
1: Tobey Maguire say, it. "Yeah," because that you know the original Spider-Man and the original Uncle Ben saying it. I, I don't think the Uncle Ben in the Amazing Spider-Man did he ever say it or did he kind of have his own phrase? I'm pretty sure he said it. He had, he had something in the Amazing Spider-Man. Where he said he had like a short monologue where he was like, you know, your dad believed, it, believed that if you had the ability to do yeah. good things, something like that. It, it wasn't quite with great power comes great responsibility, but I think it I think it actually did a lot better for Toby Maguire's Spider Man to say it than Aunt May because he actually had to live through it. He had to live through his uncle Ben dying and all those you know, trials and tribulations he had to go through. For, so for him to pass it on to Tom Holland, I think, made a little bit more sense.
0: I agree. But at the same time, I think both of them saying it really was a good impact on Tom Holland. And Tom Holland wouldn't have had an, as much of an impact from those lines if it was Tobey Maguire saying it rather than uh, Aunt May. So,
1: yeah, I don't know. I mean, personally, I think from one Spider-Man to another, that would make a big, a bigger impact on him, especially since, you know, Aunt May hasn't had a whole lot of screen time or anything to go off of. But I, I do kind of get, you know, because um, she's a blood relative, you know, yeah. I, I guess it makes it. It works either way. I still prefer the Tobey Maguire one, though, at least a little. Oh, bit. no, I agree with that completely. I still thought it was a really nice scene. And um, I, I suppose we can't talk about performances without talking about the uh, cast of villains that we got to see come back to this oh movie as well. Gosh. Oh my goodness! I wow. think that
0: a lot of the characters had a redemption a redemption scenes, except for the lizard. I don't like Doctor Curtis Connors. Um, I didn't think he had a great role as the lizard in this movie. He
1: didn't. He didn't have a big role. That's for sure. I mean, I don't think I, I don't have anything against him by any means. Um, but he was definitely just the. The extra of the... Uh, not Sin- We can't call them the Sinister Six, though, because there was only five, no, of, them. Only five of them. Well, yeah.
0: technically there was six, if you think about the end credit scene with Venom being in it. I'll go into that in a little bit. I yeah,
1: have some- I mean, he wasn't quite in the movie, so I don't know if I can give him a pass for that. That's true. But um, in terms of the... Uh, Fantastic Five. Well, no, shoot, we shoot you can't call it that because the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Um the Phenomenal Five or whatever. The, the villains fab, that we have. The had. Fab Five? The, the Fab, fab five. five. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the Fabulous Five. Um So yeah, you had uh the Lizard, you had the Sandman, you had Um Doc Ock, Green Goblin, and Electro. Electro. That's how I forgot for a sec. Uh yeah, Lizard was definitely, you know, he had the least amount of stuff to do in that film, as did the Sandman. They were kind of Uh, they were kind of background characters, the Benchwarmers, if you will. You know, you had your starting team of Green Goblin, uh, Doc Ock, and Electro, and then you kind of had your Benchwarmers, who were the uh, uh, Sandman and the Lizard. But I both still think they did a phenomenal job. It was great to have the original actors come back and do a voiceover. Uh, I read that they didn't actually come in and, you know... Uh, shoot on set because they didn't really have to I mean you know you have one guy who's a lizard you can CGI that in and you have one guy who's a Sandman you can CGI that in so they just kind of came in for a day but I'm glad we got to see them come back and you know reprise their uh, roles and then of course you had uh, Jamie Foxx as Electro that was the in my opinion
0: this is a little out there I think that was the best performance out any character in Spider-Man No Way Home
1: Jamie Jamie Foxx as Electro? Really?
0: Yeah, I thought that was the best performance, because he really, or maybe not even best performance, best redemption performance.
1: Well, yeah, hands down, uh, he definitely had a uh, glow-up, to say the least. I mean, I don't know if I would say best performance. He didn't really seem to have a lot going for him, besides the whole... Ooh, I'm in a whole nother universe, and you know I want a taste of this power kind of thing. Like he, I get that. Um, you know, part of the plot was Peter Parker wanting to redeem these villains, but he he was just evil right off the bat. He's like, ooh, I, I want this power and this technology, and oh my goodness, and you know, he, he just seemed evil whenever he did. Um, oh yeah, no, talk. I'm not saying that that was. I'm not saying the directing
0: was well in his case. What I'm saying is he personally was he plays role like to a T from the directing standpoint
1: much better than um compared to amazing spider-man 2 for sure oh for sure um i would say he's definitely up there and he was a ton of fun to watch for me he was definitely um more of the comedy uh relief you know he was he was fun to watch jamie fox put a lot of a uh, lot of thought into the character and uh really he he made it his own where it didn't feel like that in the amazing spider-man 2 um and then of course you have uh, alfred molina who came back as uh doc ock He was who I was most excited to see, and I'll I'll be honest, I was hoping he would have a bit more to do. Uh, A lot of what he did in the movie was basically um, having to get saved by Tom Holland, because if you guys remember back in Spider-Man Two, he still has the chip in the back of his head that was controlling him, and you know that was the main. He was the main person that Spider-Man wanted to, or Tom Holland, Spider-Man wanted to save. So we got to see half of him throughout the movie as, you know, the bad guy, uh, the mentally insane guy, and then eventually he does um, get fixed, and then the rest of the movie he becomes, like, I guess a hero. Not really. I was going to say a hero. Say- I'd say a mentor figure. I just honestly, maybe not
0: even a mentor figure, just, like, you know, appreciative of what had just happened.
1: Oh, yeah. He was definitely he was uh, definitely an asset to um, Tom Holland Spider-Man in the final battle. Oh, especially say that much.
0: Especially when he saved uh, – was. Tom Holland, right? Was it? Was well,
1: he saved. Uh, he actually saved Tom Holland, Spider Man, and Doctor Strange from the Green Goblin at oh, the that's very right. end. Yes. Who I, 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 obviously, we saved the best for last year. For me, my personal favorite performance, and the one that was most shocking to me was Willem Dafoe coming back as the Green Goblin. This guy was an absolute menace throughout the film. I mean, talk about a compelling so antagonist. Cr- he was so creepy. Oh, he, he was played, intense. He played the he role creepy. to a. T- he. It was phenomenal. I, I was so glad that he actually had a good script to work off of because back when the original Spider-Man came out, you know, he looked menacing. He looked the part and he sounded the part, but he didn't have any good dialogue to work off of. It was all very corny and cheesy as most of that original Sam Raimi trilogy was. But now he actually had some compelling dialogue. He had some menacing dialogue and he really he really messed with um Peter Tom Holland's Peter Parker's. He messed with his head throughout the the movie because you never really knew when he was going to snap when he was going to change back to the Green Goblin Um, because throughout the film we see him come in to um, the dimension as Green Goblin and then we cut away again and we see him struggling to become Norman Osborn then he stays Norman Osborn for a while until the apartment scene then he eventually goes back to Green Goblin and then he stays that way until the very end when they eventually reverse everyone back to how they were but throughout the film I mean, it, just such tension and such intensity that this guy gives off. He was so much fun to watch. So creepy oh, yeah. at the same time.
0: Oh, for sure. I think that his role was really... Re- like, I can't I say redeemed because in The Amazing Spider-Man 1... Not The Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man 1, the original Spider-Man, uh, he had a great role and he played the part very well, even though he had crappy dialogue. Mm-hmm. But with the redemption of good dialogue, and he really saved his character because of that or I guess um uh the director really changed his character so he could save his role um but he did oh my gosh he did so good and he was probably the most compelling character one of the most compelling characters in the movie because while you couldn't feel for him as much you, I mean, unless he was unless he was Norman Osborn uh you could definitely tell that he was the Green Goblin from the comics and the Green Goblin from the original Spider-Man movie
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, he, he even at the very end in the battle, he had that uh, uh, classic purple hood that he used to have in the comics, uh, oh, yeah. which really gave me some nostalgia right there, uh, because very early on in the movie, he actually breaks his mask while Norman Osborn is trying to fight the Green Goblin. But of course, breaking the mask is not enough to fight the Green Goblin. You know, that's that's something that seems to stay with you forever until the very end. Uh, so then he eventually dons his um, purple hoodie and, you know, just causes some absolute chaos in the final battle and you know he really he he actually almost like the joker at the end he literally wants spider-man to kill him um he wants to see this anger come out of him and he wants to you know make him a bad person uh it almost kind of gave me vibes from star wars when uh emperor palpatine is trying to change luke over to the dark side green goblin just wants to you know really hurt peter and completely turn him evil uh thankfully Toby McGuire, as we said earlier, jumps in at the last second and has that uh heroic moment. But yeah, Willem Dafoe definitely hands down. Uh he honestly, I, I think he deserves an Oscar for that performance. Oh, I agree. From the other performances I've seen so far this year, I don't think we've seen anything super special, at least I haven't. So I think from that maybe
0: something from Dune
1: but. performance. Yeah, it's true. Dune had some good acting. I um, th- I do think that um He deserves an Oscar for that in some way. In some way, yeah. Yeah. Whether, yeah, best supporting... uh, I guess he wasn't really a supporting actor. He kind of uh, helped change uh, Peter Parker's Spider-Man for the better by the end of the movie, though. Oh, Um, I agree. All all of them, really.
0: Maybe not as much Andrew Garfield, but... That's true. Tom
1: Holland and Tobey Maguire, they really... Well, I think even Andrew Garfield because he got a chance to save MJ and kind of uh, redeem himself now. So, oh well, yeah, think, it's true because he did knock Tom Holland out of the way. So Andrew, and Arthur then he got chance that to, chance yeah, 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 that's true. That's true. Looking at it now, he kind of he gave every Spider-Man a chance to better themselves before they eventually, you know, went back to their own, their own worlds. Uh, and obviously, with that final spell that Doctor Strange um cast you know which is also a very emotional this whole film was just very emotional got me on several occasions it
0: it got your feels really (laughs) um but dr strange
1: he cast the spell and you know everyone forgot who peter parker was so yeah at the end of the film um you know we see um peter parker he was going to tell ned and mj you know who he was and all the adventures they had but then he finds out or he realizes that they're having a better life without him so then he eventually goes back and he buys his own apartment. And what I love about the ending is all throughout this this home trilogy, if you, you'll call it that, um, I thought this was taking place after uh, you know Spider-Man's origins or whatever. I thought it was taking place after he got bit by the spider, after you know Uncle Ben and uh, had died and all that. But at the end, you realize that this was just a setup for what is going to be. At least as of now, this is subject to change. But at least as of now, this is a setup for uh, Tom Holland's actual Spider-Man trilogy going to be made by Sony. He's no longer going to be a part of the Avengers. He's going to have his own trilogy, and that this trilogy, the home trilogy, was just the setup for his own adventures. Oh, I agree. Uh, although he might be in the MCU, he might not. It's very because of well, the contract is
0: expired.
1: Yeah, um. he, he's you know he's not going to be with the actual Avengers. Anymore, he's now well, he has, he looks- has one uh,
0: movie left with, with in an Avengers movie, which um, he does. His yeah, contract he, does his contract has one non solo movie, like with the Avengers, so okay. like some, so either an Avengers movie or like a Civil War type thing. He's he's all be in one more movie. Okay, I'm fairly certain of that, anyways. Um, the thing I know we, we touched on this a little earlier about the villains, the one villain who which I think was the Sinister Six was Venom. What made the Sinister Six was Venom. Now you don't see Venom at all through the main movie, but you see him in the end credit scene. Um, and it's very it's a very odd end credit scene because all he does is he's at a bar. Like what? Why would he just be at a bar and doing nothing? Now, if you is I don't know if you know this, but if you look back on the Venom Let There Be Carnage end credit scene where he is. Um, in the uh, hotel or the motel or whatever it is, and he sees the Spider Man. He sees Spider Man on TV from the Daily Bugle with J. Jonah Jameson talking about it. Um, who also had a very good role in this movie, uh, J. Jonah Jameson being redeemed. Um, well how was he redeemed? In what, not redeemed, what? not redeemed, but like coming back as his original character.
1: Oh yeah, well they couldn't pass that up for sure. Oh no,
0: but anyways, um, with. In the venom, let the recarnage end. Credit scene, he is in the motel, and then um, he sees that guy, and switches, and then all of a sudden there's like the multiverse, and they're all and everything's shaking, and all of a sudden they're at a really nice fancy hotel, and what I believe that was was when the spell was cast, um, from Doctor Strange originally in the movie, um, that was the multiverse. Because Loki hadn't really been established yet at this point when this movie was being made, so I think that that was the multiverse not from Loki, but from Doctor Strange and releasing all the Spider-Man villains and Venom recognizing who it was, um, was the other was from Spider-Man Three when he was in the original Spider-Man movies, um, so it's, I, let me explain this a little better. So in Spider-Man Three, there's Venom, right? And they even mention they even hinted that in um No Way Home during the main movie. Well, in that scene from Venom at the Recarnage, he sees that guy being Spider-Man, um,
1: licks the TV, and like, how would he know who that guy is? Right, but like you said, Venom, even though Eddie Brock does not know who he is, Venom from uh Spider Man 3 does know who Peter Parker is, and basically that's why he was able to get warped into um, Tom Holland's Spider-Man uh, universe. Because, it, honestly, like you were saying, uh, the Let There Be Carnage and credit scene kind of set it up because uh, the Venom symbiote was talking about how, uh, you know, all this knowledge they have over the vast cosmos and how kind of like all the symbiotes yep. connect and have all this knowledge. Well, the one that was in Spider-Man 3... You know, knew Peter Parker was Spider-Man. So that's how that Venom in the Venom-verse, if you want to call it that, the Venom universe, Mm -hmm. gets warped over to Tom Holland's Spider-Man universe. Now, that only lasts for, you know, a couple minutes for us, because like you said, we see Eddie Brock in the bar. And yep. he's talking to the bartender, and he's talking about you know the Avengers and Thanos and all the stuff he has to c- catch Eddie up has on. No recollection of any. of No them. idea. Yeah, yeah. Eddie Brock does not anyway. So he's very confused, and he's down in a few drinks, trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Uh, but then before he can truly digest everything that's happening, um, uh, because Doctor Strange does the spell, he gets warped back into his other Venom universe again. So I started thinking, you know, what what was the point of all that? You know, why would he? Why would they even show that? Well, the point. Was uh kind of subtle. They just showed it very simply at the end, but it was to leave a little bit of the Venom symbiote behind, so they can set that up for a future Spider-Man movie and maybe do the Venom symbiote what's more.
0: Bingo! So yeah. I thought that was really, really cool. Um, that they were able to pull that off, and I thought it was a very nice touch on Sony's end. I'm sure that was Sony's end right there. Yeah, maybe a I would little say so. bit of Disney's, but mostly Sony's.
1: Mostly Sony because they own. You know, Venom, they have their own Venom movies going on. And I know Tom Hardy's going to be making one more Venom movie before they decide to, I guess, from what I've heard, recast um, oh, Venom no. in the MCU. Yeah, I, I don't know why, but apparently they don't want Tom Hardy, and Tom Har- Hardy only wants to do one more movie. So everyone's like, yeah, we're going to recast him again. And it's going to be a whole nother deal. That's um,
0: stupid. I he did such a good job with Venom.
1: He did. He did do a good job as Eddie Brock. Or Eddie Brock, yeah. Um, but you know, I, I think ultimately th- they could probably find another great actor too, but that won't be for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, and then of course there was one more uh end credit scene. Uh although it's you can't really call it a scene as much as you can a trailer. trailer. Yeah, it's more of a trailer, which is already online now, so everyone out there can go and watch it. It is the very first official Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness trailer, which looks really trippy and really intense. Oh, yeah. Very excited to see that coming up in May. Uh, As if Doctor Strange didn't have enough problems to go through with uh, Peter Parker in this movie, uh, he now has to practically save the entire multiverse, or him and... Uh, Wanda, Wanda do, at least I think Wanda does, if she doesn't turn evil. There's a lot of rumors about that. But it looks like him and Wanda are now going to have to save the entire multiverse, so that should be a heck of a movie to see coming out in May. Oh, yeah, I'm really pumped about it. And Doctor Strange is my second favorite
0: Marvel superhero. Actually, any superhero. So being, I'm really pumped for this
1: movie right here. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, it's going to be really intense, really trippy and fun to watch. Um, Now, obviously, like I said earlier, this movie is not without... Its problems. Um, I don't know if you had any at all, Garrett, or if you think this is just the coolest movie of all time. But for me personally, there was a few things I wish they would have done a little bit differently. Um, first one being right at the beginning of the movie when you know Spider-Man is claimed to be a vigilante, and um, you know he has to um, he has to hide for a little while. Him and Aunt May have to kind of uh, leave or go to the outskirts of New York. And it seems like they're going to have this big trial case coming up. And then something we didn't really talk about earlier, um, which we can kind of touch on now, is uh, Matt Murdock, who came into the movie. We completely forgot to mention that. Really? I don't remember that. Matt Murdock is Daredevil, who came in as the uh, lawyer. Oh, you know, he came in. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, he came into the movie for just a little bit, and everyone's been freaking out about it. And it it was cool, don't get me wrong, but he didn't really do too much besides catch a brick that came through the window. That's pretty much all he did. I remember that now, yes. And the only thing he really said was that, oh, none of these charges will hold up against you. And everyone's like, oh, sweet, you know, we don't have a problem anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of all there was to the whole trial situation. Uh, you know, after it, Peter, you know, killed Mysterio, "quote unquote" killed Mysterio, I thought they were going to have to do a whole investigation. But all they did was loosely touch on that, and Matt That's Murdock came in. I was a little in. confused by that. Yeah, and yeah, that I was... think they should have done a little bit more. I mean, this is a two and a half hour movie, and they spent maybe five to ten minutes on it. And in the end, Matt Murdock came in and said, "Oh yeah, you're fine. None of these charges will hold up against you." And instead, they spend the rest, or at least half of the movie, on not the actual. Criminal charges, but just Peter being an outcast now yeah. for whatever reason. Even though the charges don't hold up against him, people still hate him and think he killed Mysterio. So they kind of just you know basically you know but they, they, they touched on it, but they didn't do much with it. They didn't do much with that at all. No, and instead the big problem, which this this was kind of the uh, what really worried me in the trailer, and it kind of kind of came to fruition here in the movie. Uh, the whole reason. Peter Parker ends up wanting to change uh you know have everyone forget he was Peter Parker was you know not because he was a wanted man not because he was being hunted by the police or anything or you know has a death sentence but ultimately he wants everyone to forget he was Peter Parker because his friends can't get into college yeah and for me personally maybe this is just me that is kind of a weak that's kind of a weak um reasoning there (laughs) i personally liked it
0: because that shows his character and how like while it's not about him that's like the friendly neighborhood spider-man type of thing
1: right you know obviously it would have been more messed up if he was just doing it because he couldn't get into college um but you know he was doing it for ned and mj but ultimately you know and everything they've seen throughout the world i mean he had to fight a purple alien who you know wiped away half of the universe and now they're worried about college just because everyone, you know, knows his name or know who he, knows who he is. You know, that seems just a little bit childish and it becomes even more irresponsible of him when Doctor Strange starts the spell and he starts messing it up and he starts tampering with it and he's like, "Oh, but you know, MJ needs to remember who I am and Ned and Aunt May and I feel still so bad for Doctor Strange because he's, you know, trying to contain this spell. He wants to help Peter, but then Peter keeps screwing it up, so he has to contain the spell. And then Doctor Strange asks him if he you know, sent a letter of reconsideration asking to take his friends in. And Peter was like, oh, yeah, I didn't really think about that. I was like, oh, that was was stupid. But that was, yeah, I got to say, Peter had a few uh, acting like an idiot moments throughout this film. And it's like, I I get he's a teenager. I get that. One of my friends is trying to tell me, you know, if you were his age, which I I guess I kind of am. I just started my first year of college. (laughs) Would you do that same thing? And it's like, well, maybe. But I also haven't fought the Avengers, I haven't fought, you know, a guy dressed up as a vulture, uh, you know, a guy named Mysterio and a purple alien. You would think that f- going through all that stuff and fighting all those people would maybe mature him a little bit by now, but I didn't really get that same feeling. He still was kind of acting like a child, and he really did, like we said earlier. He kind of screwed everything up. This is his fault. But I was glad to see, it seems, he matured, uh, he matured a lot after all this by the end of the movie at least I hope so I think he did yeah
0: it was a good stepping stone for him and he started getting his own apartment
1: yeah um, he's got his own ran down apartment the classic Peter Parker apartment
0: oh yeah so that was really cool
1: yeah and um, then like I said earlier I just wish Tobey Maguire would have died I think that would have been a great send-off moment uh it seems like Marvel is too afraid sometimes to take those leaps to actually kill off characters after all the Avengers they have introduced they've really only killed off Iron Man and Black Widow and I guess Captain America. So far. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we still have plenty left and I think that would have been a perfect send off moment. Um but really besides Gamora, kind of. Gamora kind of. I think she's gonna come back in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are really my big problems with it. Uh right mm-hmm. there. Everything else, overall, I think it is a fun and phenomenal film. And probably top five in my MCU films personally. Oh, th- well, it's my number one now. I'm sure you figured oh, that really? out. Really? Okay. I'm sure you figured that
0: out. Uh, it bumps. No, actually, it went to number one, and then bumps "Far From Home" down to like number five.
1: Really, Wait, was was "Far From Home"
0: your number one before far this? "Far From Home" was my like number one before this.
1: H- how did "No Way Home" bump it down to number five? How did it here's, skip so many?
0: Here is how. Like, here's why. It connected. It didn't. So it kind of ruined "Far From Home" the end credit scene for me. Because they didn't really act upon it as much, Mm. and that's why I liked it so much. Is because like so that's why I think that uh, Far from Home or Far yeah Far from Home bumped down quite a few. Um, So now it's I think it goes um, in my my top five uh, No Way Home, um, then um, what's it called Infinity War Wow Mm -hmm. Avengers Infinity War Doctor Strange um, and then probably one more and then No Way of Oh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know you really liked that. I, I gotta I say. It. It's so funny.
1: It is. It's such a fun film. Um, And then another thing that um has gotten kind of annoying about this film, which actually isn't the film's fault. It's kind of becoming the fans' fault who are thinking. And I know you said this is your favorite MCU film, but I do hope you don't. That is like the best superhero movie of all time oh, no. or whatever, because oh, God, no. people are already out here saying that, you know, this should win all the Oscars in the world <laughs> and that this is the best superhero movie and that it beat the Dark Knight. Blah, no, it did not. That is not like I, I love the film as much as the next person. Maybe not that much, I guess. But people are out here saying it's the best thing of all time. And I think even though I think it was great, it's not on the same level that the Dark Knight was or that Logan was. Or that even really Avengers Endgame was, in my opinion, mm. um, because Endgame Endgame had years and years of buildup. I mean that that was planned since like Iron Man. So I think that deserved it. Whereas No Way Home, I don't think they really planned on doing that. It just worked out that they happened to have, you know. <laughs> They, they happened to be introducing the multiverse. They happened to have two other Spider-Mans that people were attached to. It was, too much. There was a lot they of fan service. A lot of fan service, exactly. Where I think Avengers Endgame was more, you know, a culmination in a bunch of uh, well-earned, uh, paid-off moments and stuff like that. That's so, true. Al- although I did love it, I really hope the fans don't keep ruining it. And even Kevin Feige, who's the um, executive producer of Marvel himself, I recently saw an interview with him where he was comparing this. Oh, I, I, I can't even say it. It's so disgusting and so wrong. He was comparing this, you know, final Spider-Man movie to this trilogy, this culmination. He compared it to the culmination equal of that to Return of the King. Lord of the Rings Return of the King. I was like, oh my gosh, pretentious much? Because that is not even on the same not the level. Trilogy.
0: I think this movie was better as a standalone movie but not the whole trilogy.
1: That No Way Home yeah. was better than Return of the King? I think so. Oh. I'm, I'm not a big to- <laughs> Lord of the Rings fan, though. Okay, so, you know. okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to respectfully disagree on that. I, That's I, fine. Yeah, I I, I I, can't see. No, no. As a trilogy or a movie, I personally don't think it's better than Lord of the Rings. That that seems like a bit much. I get that they're proud of this movie, and it, it is fun. But I do hope they don't keep, you know, tooting their own horns about it. That's true. It's getting to be a bit much. But nonetheless, all that being said, um, you know, I got to think about it for a sec. As of now, I'm going to give it a... I'm stuck between a 4 out of 5 stars or a 4.5. I want to do somewhere in the middle, like a 4.3 out of 5 stars. As of now, I'm going to be nice and I'm going to give it a 4.5. Uh, Makes sense. we will see how long that lasts and how it you know how the hype train holds yeah, up yeah how the hype holds up you know if fans keep being annoying about it um dr strange when that comes out yeah we, we shall see as of now it's a 4.5 but i'm gonna say that's subject to change back to a 4.0 but i'll put it at a 4.5 right now
0: you already know i'm putting it it's my favorite movie uh, five out of five One of my favorite hey, movies man. of all time six out of five maybe uh no five out of five i'm not oh, I'm okay. not going. i'm not going higher than that uh, I think that going higher than the actual rating is stupid. That's my personal opinion. Because
1: there's a couple movies where I would do that with, just because they are so freaking good. But that's a whole other story. Uh, yeah, um, that's true. But I I, I will put it at a four point five for now, and definitely my top five um, favorite MCU movies. Um, actually, since you kind of gave your list, I'll give mine real quick. And number one, I still have Captain America: Civil War. Good, uh, good I think choice. It's yeah very still very underrated, even though a lot of people love it. I feel like they don't give it enough appreciation. Uh number 2 is Thor Ragnarok, best Thor movie by a long shot, also one oh, yeah. of the funniest MCU films. Um and you have that phenomenal montage with Thor at the end where he actually gets his lightning powers and he's just, you know, pummeling through everyone. It's phenomenal. Oh, that's really fun. Uh number 3 Avengers Endgame. Um like I said, culmination of, you know, everything we've seen in the MCU. Uh number 4 I guess would have to be Probably part one to that, Avengers Infinity War. Um, although I do have some problems with that. Ultimately, I'm gl- I was glad to see the heroes finally lose because they never really did that before. And I think yes. it worked well. And then number five would have to be Spider-Man No Way Home. I can't really think of another movie that would come close to that. Maybe except for Winter Soldier. I do really have a soft spot for Winter Soldier, and I think that's a great movie. Nostalgic. Um, more, more so of the whole Captain America and Bucky relationship, that's I think. True. And the whole Hydra uh shield you know kind of um uh secret agency stuff right there but still i think no way home would be a little bit higher so that would be my top five all right well i think that's all i got you have anything else uh no i think that is all for today just for those of you who haven't seen the film go out and watch it uh right now as long as it's you know as still as it's in uh theaters go out watch it you're gonna love it uh i bet you any money you're gonna cry it's very emotional Fun film. It definitely lives up to most of the hype. I'm very proud of Sony oh, for, for what sure. they did.
0: I'm watching it again next week with my best friend, so I'm pretty pumped about it. And he's seen it already, so oh, awesome. Um, he saw it day. Like, I think it was Christmas Day actually. I'm like, wow, you are lucky because yeah. I did nothing for Christmas <laughs> So, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, y'all. Have a good one. Peace.